Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Jeff Johnson here with Angela Hanscom. Angela, we're talking about more about the difference between therapeutic and slash classroom environments and national and natural environments. What's another example you have for us of those differences? Sure. So another example that you'll often see in a clinic setting or or an early childhood setting is, um, which is not necessarily bad. It's it's just something that we do as we'll bring in a small bin of sand or we'll bring in a bin of uh, beans or rice um, and create, they're called sensory bins. So mm -hmm. I think we're all familiar with that. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. I use them from time to time. But again, getting people to step back a little bit and kind of looking at if our goal is to create change in the child, so providing a sensory experience that will create change in the child, you know, really think about which one is going to do this again. So comparing the small bin with sand in it, and now think about being on the beach um, and having children like different loose parts out there or whatever, you know, out there. Which one do you think is going to be better to support creating change in the child? I'm going to take a guess and say the sensory bin. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got it wrong. <laughs> so. And really just diving a little deeper into why, um, they both are considered a sensory experience, but the one where the child is spending, you know, hours out on the beach and playing is going to be the one that's going to help actually integrate and create change to the senses. Because if you think about it, first of all, the sensory bin, you're limited again, right? You, there's only a certain amount of space you have. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of children that can be in that space at a certain amount of time. Another thing that tends to happen with sensory bins inside is that um, we try to, some, some environments don't want a mess. So they, you might have more in, adult interaction trying to keep the mess in the sensory bin. A lot of hovering teachers a lot of times. There's a lot more hovering, right. And then on the beach, it doesn't matter. Like there's, you know, you can spread sand everywhere. Um, but another thing that I don't know if a lot of people think about is that um, with the beach, when you're, let's say a child's digging in the dirt, um, sometimes that light touch sense can, um, you know, kids, it can feel aversive to children. So they might not want glue on their fingers. They might it might feel yucky. Um, you know, sand might feel yucky for some children. So that, that is a light touch sense. And again, it can feel aversive for children. The way to override that, and we talked about this with your weighted blanket, is actually um, deep pressure. So when a child is digging in the dirt and running their fingers through the sand, they're getting that, um, that resistance at the same time, that deep pressure, mm -hmm. and that actually helps to integrate that light touch sense. And so the more exposure children get to outdoor play where they're getting that, we call it proprioceptive feedback, they're getting nice um, senses to their joints and muscles through resistance, that actually integrates that light touch sense and helps children to tolerate different textures. So that actually is creating change within the senses. Whereas if you go in, um, into, into the classroom and you have a small bin of sand, you're not 
it's not deep enough. There's not enough sand in there. You're not getting that deep pressure. You're just kind of getting only the light touch sense. So you're only stimulating that light touch sense. You're not integrating it. So it is a sensory experience, but you're not actually getting that deep pressure with it. So I would argue that outdoor play and getting those big muscles involved is going to be more therapeutic than just getting the light touch sense only. That's fascinating. How deep would your sensory bin have to be in your classroom to make that happen? We're talking like 18 inches of, of uh, sand in the toad, aren't we? I mean, dig a pool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love just juxtaposing the natural environments and, and, and the inside ones. And, and those bins are usually, I mean, it's so small and, and it, the way your body can interact with it is so limited. I mean, it's probably better than nothing. I mean, sitting on a chair waiting for right. mom and dad to come. Right. But when you can make it a natural thing where, where all those things you were talking about take place, it, it becomes so much richer. I remember one time in our, our family program, we were, we were playing with some, some sensory, sensory glop in, in containers, something we didn't have a, a, a version of outside. It was, I think it was like a flour and uh, vegetable oil mixture, just a gloppy, slimy thing, um, that a different texture than mud and everything. And, and they're playing with their hands, and, and that's great. But then, then our little Annie, she was probably three at the time, she said, Jeff, I need to put my toes in here. Mm. I said, yeah, okay. And so I put the tote down on the floor. We had three or four of them around, around a table. And, and, and one foot goes in and her, her little toes wiggle a little bit. And she looks at me and the other foot goes in and her toes wiggle a little bit. And this is like a, I don't know, an 18 inch by 24 inch tote, maybe six or eight inches deep. And then she looks at me and smiles and kneels at it. And, and starts sm spreading this goo all over her, her legs and everything. And I mean, she's looking like she's waiting for me to say stop because just about everybody else in her life would say stop. But at the moment, that's, that's what she needed to do and how she wanted to experience the, the stuff. And, and that goes on for 20 minutes until she's done. So I guess the point I'm getting to is if the inside stuff is the only stuff you have, making it again a fuller, richer, child-led experience when you can. And I know sometimes you feel like you can't ends up being, being a closer version to being outside in nature because we can't all be there as much as we want out in the, out in the mud. And I mean, the same child did the same thing outside with real mud right. um, when that was going on. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, just the story. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think the other thing that has to do with that is, um, so some children are sensory seekers. Like that child was clearly like seeking different type of textures. Yeah. Some children have a lot of, like they, um, that can be, that might be too much for them. You know, like shaving cream isn't a great example. Like sometimes shaving cream is way too much for kids. And it's a really, um, like it, it's not a natural substance. So it's like a certain, has a certain smell to it. And so if, if you um, are thinking about doing this indoors, uh, my recommendations to start with are more like natural substances like dirt or soil. Um, Cause it's, they're also good for the immune system, but they're also more natural. And so when kids have any kind of intolerance to textures, those are really great ones to start with um, the more, the things you would find in nature. Um, so dirt, then, sand, pine cones. Yeah. Like dried stuff. leaves, that kind of. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. That kind of stuff. Well, I guess you you think about it the the oobleck stuff and the slime stuff. Those aren't those aren't kind of textures you you do experience in <laughs> no, in, in daily life very often. Yeah. I guess that's Only that is right. Things really crave those, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, the other thing we had outside is we we let the kids dig a dig a hole, and it ended up at at its largest. It was probably about four and a half five foot deep and twelve foot across completely dug by by three to ten year olds and again much more dynamic and real experience than digging in a tote full of potting soil in in the classroom and that allows Um, for social interaction too oh yeah there's yeah and and again i like the log i talked about in the last episode it's it it was something that evolved over time because every Mm -hmm. time it rained uh soil would wash into the hole and they'd have to dig it out to scoop and all those kind of things and so it was that more of that real experience before we wrap this one up any tips on helping kids or setting up indoor experiences if i mean if you're limited to if they won't let you dig a dig a hole in the playground and you don't have a huge sand (laughs) pit any any way we can make those more richer experiences inside yeah, well, I think if you can get a little bit a larger sensory bin, I know that the, you can usually purchase those. And again, thinking of the more natural substances and um, water and water and like potting soil or sand are the best because water and sand are very soothing and calming stimuli and they're found in nature. So I would kind of pick those. And then outdoors, if you have very limited space, you know, mud kitchen, there's so many mud kitchen ideas like that's yeah. a very simple place to start with well and there there's so many different different textures you can come up with if you take i mean sand dirt and water different mixing them in different proportions and adding other natural materials i mean you could go on for weeks and months and have something new every day one thing we tried um from time to time is just those those small plastic kids wading pools Mm-hmm. Uh, setting those up for for sensory bins because you can go a little bit deeper and and there's just more material to mess with and so we had they some and, and I mean they can they can emerge themselves in it as well uh, a little bit messier to clean up but a little bit richer experience for for those inside things well, this has been another episode of Timber Nook Tips. We will be back soon with another one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for sharing the show with a friend because that, you know, that just helps the downloads. We'll be back. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Timber Nook Tips. Share your questions and comments at playvolutionhq.com slash podcast slash Timber Nook for more Angela visit timbernook.com. For more Jeff, visit explorationsearlylearning.com. Like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.